because Brother Paul, they did pretty good. They got applause. I can't remember too many people applauding me while I'm preaching or after <laughs> I'm preaching. I feel like they did a pretty good job. <clears throat> the title of my sermon this morning is Fixing What is Broken. I like to fix things, and I, I'm always fixing things, whether it's a hammer that needs a new handle. Sometimes it's a lawnmower I work on and I get it going. Uh, sometimes it's something that's broken that I can glue back and put a vise on and make it work again. Sometimes it's an old pen uh, that just needs a little bit of a redo. Sometimes it's a shoe that needs polishing. And you say, well, why do you do that, Brother Jerry? You're wasting your time. And I want to share with you why I do it. First of all, because I can Second reason, because I can work with people for years and years and years. And I can preach to them and counsel with them and read and pray. And I can't seem to get them fixed because they won't let God fix them. And so this morning, this comes from my heart. Uh, there's two ways to get fixed. And if you learn the first way, then you can work on getting the second part of what needs to be fixed. Let me just start where some of you live. A couple were having problems, marital problems, deep marital problems. In fact, they were using the silent treatment. Have you all ever had that happen in your house? You know, you ask the question, everything okay, hon? Did I do something wrong? Oh, theirs, theirs had escalated so much that they were sleeping in separate bedrooms. The husband wrote his wife a note. I have a plane to catch at 5 a.m. in the morning. Wake me up. Didn't tell her. He just wrote her a note. Next morning came around. He slept till 8 a.m. He got up. He was angry. He'd already missed his flight. He went in and was going to ream his wife out. He was going to talk to her for the first time in a while. And then he saw her note by his bed. It's 5 a.m. Get up. <laughs> what goes around comes around, okay? Two verses of scripture this morning. I'll give more, but the two main texts. 1 Corinthians 1 9. 1 Corinthians 1 9 is a great passage of scripture. And then a couple of pages before that. We'll have Romans 12, 18, which is actually on the front of your bulletin. 1 Corinthians, first chapter, verse 9. God, who has called you into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, is faithful. Second one, Romans 12, 18 front of the bulletin why don't we read it together look at the bulletin if you have one if not look on with somebody Romans 12 18 if it is possible together as far as it depends on you live at peace with everyone and we're going to let that sink in again if it is possible as far as it depends on you live what does it say at war with everyone does it say in conflict with everyone? Does it say not wanting to get along with anyone? No, it says live at peace with everyone. 
There have been hundreds of thousands of wars in the past 2,000 years. There have been countless skirmishes, fights, conflicts. We have more litigation, more lawsuits than any other nation on the face of the earth. The United States does. Wouldn't it behoove us, or at least make us stop and think, sit up and consider, why do we have so much conflict and turmoil in our world and in our country? In all the years I've been a part of the United States of America, and I'm 67 now, so that tells you how long I've been here, I cannot remember a time when people are so at odds with one another over so many things. I mean, it's just the truth. We're a country that is at odds with each other. You say, well, well why is that so? Well, I asked the question. James asked that question. James chapter 4, verse 1. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Now, he asked that question pretty straight out. What causes you to be at odds with each other? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but you don't get it. Does that sound familiar, parents? You ever had a child go to the grocery store and they get the candy and they're getting ready to go back by the register and you say, no, you're not getting that candy because I didn't tell you you could get the candy. Go put it back. Please go put it back. And then they throw a squall-eyed fit right there in the checkout counter. Okay, get the candy. Go ahead. I'll pay for it. I mean, see, we, we cave in just like that. I mean, am I not talking to the right group of people here? I mean, what causes quarrels and fights among you? You want something, but you don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and you fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you do ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. Jesus said at Matthew 5, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons and daughters or children of God. We're called, folks, to live in peace. So why can't we get along? Why can't we just live in peace? Well, first of all, you need a relationship with God. I'm going to be straight out with you. If you're at odds with God, then it's going to be hard for you to be at peace with anyone else because the turmoil on the inside is going to keep you from being able to get along with those on the outside. We're called to live in peace. We're called to be peacemakers. It's a long-standing goal, should be, of ours. Wherever we go, whatever we do, whoever we meet, whatever we're working toward, whoever we come across, we ought to be trying to get along with them. And some of you are saying, Brother Jerry, you're not married to who I'm married to. You don't have my daddy. You don't have my mother. You don't have my brother who's always irritating me or my sister who won't leave me alone. Or you don't have the same friends I do. You ought to see all the stuff they put on social media about me. I want to give it straight to you right now. In Europe, there is a movement from the children, hear me, from the children to get their parents to put down their social media and talk to them one-on-one. -on -one. Hadn't got here in the U.S. yet. A lot of times parents will use their iPhone or their social media to avoid dealing with their children at home. What happened to being able to talk one-on-one -on -one with one another? Why can't we get along? There's no Peanuts comic strip. I love Peanuts. A lot of theology. And of all people, Pigpen. 
is sitting there reading the Bible, and the caption says, there's no better teacher than God's Holy Spirit, and there's no better text than his word. Some of us need to let that sink in. Maybe we need to cut a Bible drill tonight, learn how to find certain scriptures and learn how to memorize certain scriptures. By the way, that's at 6 p.m. if you want to join the children and young people. Are you at peace with God this morning? Romans 8, 10, 8 through 10 says it like this. The word is near you, it is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith we're proclaiming that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe with, and are justified in your mouth that you confess and are saved. See, I firmly believe that if somebody's going to get along with other people, they really need to have a relationship with God and they need to be at peace within themselves. Because if there's conflict within, there's going to be conflict on the outside. You hear me? You may not believe that. But I want to tell you, I've done lots of funerals. And the hardest, most difficult funeral to do is to go and lay somebody to rest who their family will not speak to each other at the graveside. That shouldn't be. It just shouldn't be. And I'll tell you something else. I'm going to get to the second part in a minute. If you've got somebody that you need to apologize to, you cannot apologize to them after they're dead. Okay? You hear me? Thomas Carlyle, famous writer, philosopher, grew up in a Christian home but abandoned his Christianity to, to kind of adopt a deism when he went to, to uh, college like a lot of people do. They think that they're now they've got the brain you know, trust and they know more than everybody else. Thomas Carlyle married his secretary. He'd never been married before, but he married his secretary. The problem is... After he married his secretary and she became his wife, he continued to treat her somewhat like an employee. And then Thomas Carlyle's wife became gravely ill and was sick for a long time. And he, in order to deal with her illness, like many men and women, he didn't want to face up to the reality that somebody that he loved was dying. And so he buried himself in his work, in his writing. He spent a lot of time away. And not until she died did he pick up her diary. And in her diary, these words were written. He came and spent an hour with me today by my bedside. It was like heaven. Flip over a few pages. I heard his footsteps. They were on the stairs. He came to the door, but then he turned away. He kept reading, and he was moved, so moved that he threw the diary on the floor and ran out to her grave and bowed down on her grave and said, if I'd only known, if I'd only known, if I'd only known. Didn't do him any good. Because she's already gone. She loved him so much, even when he did not pay attention to her when she was dying. Are you at peace with God this morning? If you died today, would there be a room waiting for you in heaven with your name on it? Hear what Jesus says, John 14, chapter. Do not let your hearts be troubled. 
trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me where I am. Verse 27, 14th chapter. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give it to you like the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Stop and think for a moment. Is everything all right between you and God? I don't know. You do. You know if there's some hidden sin. You know if there's somebody that you're upset with. You know if you've made a promise to God and you've not kept it. You know some of the most miserable people that I've ever run across in my life are people that God called into the ministry and then they made that promise and then they broke that promise. They never followed God. And I'll have to tell you this too, some of the most miserable people I know in my life are people that are in the ministry that should not be in the ministry because God didn't call them to be in the ministry and they're miserable. And they make everybody else miserable around them. Do you have peace of Jesus Christ in your heart this morning? Do you know him as Lord and Savior? His offer is always open. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Revelation 3.20 says that whoever will open the door and invite me in, I'll come in and have fellowship with you. Second part, why can't people get along? Got any suggestions? James says because we quarrel and we fight, we, we don't get what we want. Well, that's part of it. I want to share with you, there's always going to be hurts and heartaches and disappointments and offenses that occur in this world. I would never want to be in the wedding business. You know why? Because you can't ever make everybody happy. And a lot of times people promise things and they spend a lot of time on the wedding, but they don't work on the marriage. And there's a big difference. You can have a big glorious wedding and it may be beautiful and everybody oohs and ahs, but if you don't work on the, the marriage, then after a while, it just falls apart. I want to tell you how life works. If I upset somebody, if I upset anyone in this church, the people in this church have to see me and everyone in here has to see me. If I upset or hurt you personally, and you say, I don't want to be in this church, I want to be back in the wedding business and see everybody happy, then I'm not going to be there. Correct? She could really do a lot of damage because see what happens when people get hurt, other people that love them take up those offenses. Hear me. You ever done that? Somebody hurt your child? My son didn't get to play. He didn't get to start in the football game the other night. Coach, what are you going to do about it? And that person goes and they tell all their friends. Or my daughter. She was better than the person that was out there on the court. But yeah, she missed practice, but you know, she had to get her hair done. She didn't need to be at practice. She had to get that hair. You, folks, I've heard it all. I have, pretty much. And what happens is the person that gets hurt 
their friends, their loved ones, their family, they take up the offense, and then everybody else is hurt that has connections with them. Scripture's real clear here, folks. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Nobody's excluded there. How is it, if you hurt my family, how am I going to respond? Well, I'm going to take up the offense. That's human nature. But how does Scripture say I ought to respond? Forgive and move on. You hurt my son or my daughter or my wife or my brother or my sister. It's between you and them. Please go work things out. I want to share with you folks, there's several ways we can help each other get along. First of all, realize the expectations are way up here. The reality is way down here. We set ourselves up for a lot of problems because expectations are way off the mark. That's true in a lot of different areas. We also can pray for one another. Do you know prayer really works? It works on your own self. When you start praying for somebody that you can't get along with, guess what happens? Your own heart starts changing toward that person. When you begin to see those people through God's eyes, then your attitude changes toward those people. Now, we can nurse an offense. Oh, I've seen people nurse offenses. It's just like taking a little line on a person, wooing them, loving on them. Well, I'm not going, to, I'm not going back there because I've got my feelings hurt. You know, some of us wear our feelings out here on our coat sleeve. And some of us hide our feelings deep down inside and we get angry and we foam it inside and the bitterness will destroy you. Hear me. It will destroy you if you're nursing that kind of an offense. We can work together to solve problems. For years now, the business world has had what they call in major corporation conflict resolution. they got employees that aren't getting along. They've got stuff that's being produced that's not getting out right. They work on it together. They try to come up with solutions for conflict resolution. They sit down and talk to each other and listen to each other. You know, communication is two ways, not just talking. You have to listen. And sometimes some of us don't want to listen. And sometimes as we get older, and I'm not making fun of anybody in here, as we get older, guess what we lose? Our eyesight, so we don't always see clearly. Then we lose our hearing. Then we lose our speech sometimes. We can't always say what we mean. And sometimes we spout out, we say things our mind hadn't even thought of. We wish we could take back. We also need to realize that the more people we deal with, the greater possibility there will be for conflict and not getting along. I mean, we live in just a small community of around 3,500. There's around 7,800 people in 76634 zip code. In our county, we're right at about 17,900 people. Well, I know people in Meridian. I know people in Valley Mills. I've been here 30-something years. I want to tell you, I know lots of people here. I know lots of people in Waco. I know people in New Mexico. I, in fact, when we were in the lodging business in New Mexico, we had people from all over the United States. We still know them. It's a small world. Hear me. If you run from an issue, it will follow you. And I want to share this with you as we're coming into Thanksgiving and Christmas and everything. There is no holiday worth destroying your family over. Hear me. 
Some of y'all aren't getting this. There is no holiday worth destroying the sanctity and the nourishment and the love and the grace and the community of your family over. It doesn't have to be just Christmas Day when you sit down with your family. Most of us that have families that are married, we've got to learn how to share time. Oh, I hear lots of, well, it was this year, their year. We won't have the kids anymore. <laughs> it's not the perfect day. It's the time that you spend with each other. Hear me, folks. Y'all, this, this keeps going on and just keeps going on. I wouldn't bring it up. And there's certainly more depression at the holiday times of the year than there is any other time of the year. You can study that and look at it in our culture. You say, well, what's this got to do with Jesus? What do the scriptures say? As far as it depends on you. Doesn't say your mother-in-law. It says as far as it depends on you. Doesn't say your brother, your sister, your aunt, your uncle your son, your daughter, as far as it depends on you, you and I are to live at peace with everyone. Getting along in families should take precedence over any other activities, folks. If we know a relationship has been harmed or strained, we need to work to ease the tension and right the wrong, if at all possible. Now, I'll be the first to tell you there's some people that do not want to forgive. And if there's been a split in the family, if there's been some kind of issue over the heritage or the wills, or those kind of things, you have to give those over to the Lord. Some of those things are never going to be resolved on this earth because both parties do not want them resolved. We do need to take the initiative, though, in love to right the wrong, not just when we're hurt, but when others are hurt. We should try to settle matters quickly. That's also what Scripture says. If at all possible, where there's been misunderstandings or hurt feelings, at appropriate times and places to try to make things right. We don't need, as I've had people do this, they'll come and apologize and then dump a bunch of guilt and shame on me. I don't need that, and neither do you. I'm sorry I can't fulfill everybody's dreams and well-being. I'm an imperfect person, folks, and so are you, and we live in an imperfect world. We sometimes create our own battle zones because of unreasonable demands that we place on our loved ones. We need to learn the difference to distinguish between what issues need to be dropped and what issues need to be dealt with. Some of us, when we go to try to settle things, we drag up the past. Have you ever noticed that? Well, you did this when you were in third grade. You did this when you were in sixth grade. You did this when you were in junior high. When you were in high school, I remember when you... Well, good. We can't change the past, folks. None of us here can change the past. Let's deal with the issue currently when you try to get along with people. Romans 14, 19 says it like this. Make every effort to live at peace with all people. We need to learn how to arbitrate or referee sometimes our agreements and disagreements. And God gives us the opportunity to do that. He wants our families to be united. He wants... He wants us to be able to get along and have a peace with the Lord Jesus. As Beecher Hicks wrote that there are two kinds of walls in our world, supporting walls connected to a foundation. That's what you see right here. These, these four walls right in here are connected to the foundation that this church is built upon. And I can tell you because I've been in the attic, you see these two seams right there? Those are I-beams that are 24 to 36 inches in height. 
and there's whatever the length of this building is. That's how long those I've been. And this building has been sitting here in the same place since 1948. Give that some thought. But right behind me back here, behind the baptistry, there's Sunday school classrooms. And those Sunday school classrooms have walls that can be knocked down because they're not supporting walls or walls that can be put up. And sometimes we eliminate the opportunity for getting along because we erect walls within our own families and we don't want to get along. We have dividing walls, basically. And I really believe Jesus wants to remove the walls in our lives that are not tied to him as a foundation of our lives. Would you let him this morning remove any barrier that you have in your life between you and your family or you and your neighbor or you and your employer or whoever it is that you have an issue with. Heard an old country western song here a while back. I think Kenny Chesney probably made it popular. The gist of the song goes like this. If I could live my life over again, I would do this or that, but I didn't. If I could live my life over again, if you could live your life over again, what would you change? You can't change anything because <laughs> you didn't change it when you had the opportunity. I didn't. Let the peace of Christ, Paul says in Colossians 3.13, rule in your heart since members of one body you were called to peace. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to the Lord. Can we do that this morning? Oh, there was a man and a woman who were having marital difficulties. And they weren't getting along. In fact, it had developed so badly that he was sleeping in this room and she was sleeping in that room. And they were offering each other the silent treatment. And he wrote a note to his wife and said, I have a plane to catch at 5 a.m. in the morning. Wake me up. And he slept until 8 o'clock. And he got up and he got mad and he started going there and storming there and just ream her out. And then he saw her note. It's 5 a.m. Wake up. He said, Brother Jerry, you already told us that story. Yes. Well, I'm telling you, it's way past 5 a.m. for a lot of us. Let's pray. Father, you know our hearts. You know what drives us. You know what motivates us. You know what separates us. You know what it is when we demand our own rights, when we've been hurt or offended. Please help us, Lord, to forgive as you forgive. Please help us to apologize if apologies need to take place. Please help us just to get along, to be right with you, Lord, and right with our brothers and sisters in Christ and our family members. And, Father, if there's someone here this morning that's never trusted, someone here that's never asked you into their life, would you help them to confess with their mouth and believe in their heart that Jesus Christ died on the cross for their sins? He was buried and he was raised. And would you fill them with your Holy Spirit? In Jesus' name, amen. Our hymn of invitation is one of those hymns I don't like to sing if you don't mean it. Jesus is all the world to me. I used to sing this hymn as a young man. And I think, I can't sing that hymn. Jesus isn't all the world to me. My life, my joy, my all. No, he's not. At, at that time when I was 16 or 17, there was a lot of other things that were all the world to me. He is my strength from day to day. Without him, I would fall. Took me a while to learn that. So if you stand and sing this hymn, would you sing it and mean it?
Otherwise, don't sing it hypocritically. Let's stand. I'll be here at the front for you to see you this morning.